0: Ladies and gentlemen, rebel scum and loyal to the Empire, this is Sith Talk, the show that talks about Star Wars movies, Star Wars comic books, Star Wars books, Star Wars TV, especially lately. I am your host, Zach Chrisman, a.k.a. the Lord of Lore, and joining me is Lindsay, a.k.a. the Lady of Lore. Lindsay, how are you doing?
1: I'm good. You know, typical year-end kind of rush stuff, but overall, what do I have to complain about?
0: Well, you know, for me, uh, we're recording over Thanksgiving weekend to be released for the next week. So this weekend is what I like to call, um, well, what my girl Lizzo likes to call, (laughs) Thick 30. And I've been living it up the entire time. Uh, Of course, that means a lot of working out. So I try and get my ten thousand steps in and then work out as well before the big festivities. I do like little intermittent fasting preps before but I've been, I've just been feasting. I've just been getting eating cookies, um, eating a lot of mac and cheese and just enjoying life. Not on a diet. Good for you. We great. actually
1: uh took yeah. a page out of your book. Tyler got a whole bunch of stuff on deals for Black Friday, so we're turning... We have a shed in the back, and thank God it has like electricity, so we can get heat in there and everything. We're turning all of that into a home gym. So I thought you'd be proud.
0: Oh, hell Yeah. 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 I mean, you guys are busy, I'm assuming... Like the biggest reason I got one was just simply to save time. I mean, just even if you do have a close commute, the amount of time you save, like just going there and warming up or, you know, honestly, as much as I like talking to people, uh, not seeing people that want to talk to you, you know, saves time because you get regulars. It's, it's awesome. It's an awesome feeling. And when you get a nice day out, like today for us, it's like 50 degrees is perfect weather the garage door's open and you're just for me. I'm blasting like heavy metal for the whole neighborhood to just deal with and having a good time. So for
1: us cuz I used to do the whole like, you know, wake up 4:30, get to the gym right away and then start my day. I can't do that now with the puppy. So I try and go during the middle of the day and I sh- I shit you not every single time I'm like I'm going to go to the gym at lunch. I would say three times a week minimum something happens as I am literally walking out the door and I'm just like, fuck, I can't go to the gym now. Someone still needs me.
0: Right. And and for me, I just felt like every, you know, and I I like to train more often than people just because I legitimately, unless I'm fatigued, I enjoy training. Um, So I do like four or five days a week and they're, they're heavy lifting sessions. I, I, You know, I prefer the powerlifting style just because I want to see how strong I can get and they're, they're taxing, but it's like, I got sick of like being done with my day at like eight o'clock every single night. And by the time you eat and you know, all that stuff, you're going to bed at, I go to bed at 10 o'clock, which is a reasonable time, but that's like an hour and a half of unwinding. And then you're doing it all over again. It just, it felt like nonstop, but you guys are not here to hear us talk about um, home gyms and stuff like that. You're here for Star Wars, which uh, me and you off air should go over some of the uh, the sales. I know that um, there's a lot of good stuff going on, like if you are actually looking for home gym stuff I've been looking at other stuff too but there's also some really good sales from heroes and villains which we are not sponsored by but I love that brand and you everybody should check them out because they have some good shit and I'm thinking about getting myself a Revan shirt Ooh. but oh yeah they got a Revan shirt they got a Revan a Grievous they they got a bunch of stuff and like it's all on super I feel sale right of now all people need that I know I do. It's just like I I have too many T-shirts, and I like I've tried to like cut off because like I always have to have like workout shirts, T-shirts. So it's like I try to just buy sweatshirts and stuff. Which Sammy B just got me a new jacket. I saw him uh, last weekend, so he got me a new jacket at the brewery that we go to. He's doing good, everybody. He's got. He cut his hair. He had long hair. He looked like the love guru for a long time, <laughs> and it made me really sad to see him with short hair. He really did. And when I would stay at his house, he like had this robe, and he'd be like open, shirtless, just like coming in with coffee. I swear to God, he looked like a seventies love guru. I was just like, dude, do not ever it's cut fiestos, your hair.
1: Though, that's why. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And he was like, oh "Well, my God, that would be long hair in a bathrobe." Like, I can't even imagine. Well,
0: and and his house is like super seventies looking, so literally everything fits. Like he's got records everywhere, and it's just like you feel like you are in a uh, a love dungeon at so his house, good. just because it. And he cut his hair. He's like, "Yeah, I just trimmed it up for the winter, so that when it grew <laughs> out, it grew out even more full." And I was like, "Fuck yeah, Sam, that's what man. you do."
1: Oh, that man.
0: But uh, today's topics we're gonna get into Andor and some of the. Disney shakeups going on with uh Disney I've been doing a lot of digging about all the things like all all the like stuff that went down between CEOs what that might mean for Star Wars um so let's get into Andor um I don't know how our listeners are feeling but it feels like everybody that I talk to who is actually watching Andor um Andor seems like the show where everybody's like oh yeah Andor's fucking awesome. And there's a lot of details to go into, especially, like, with the the final episode and stuff. But Breakdown's never really been Sith Talk's thing. Um, so, Lindsay, from the top, what do you think about Andor as a series so far and the um, season finale?
1: Um, You know, my my opinions really have not changed at all. If anything, they've really solidified over the past few weeks. As I said pretty early on, honestly, probably, like, by the fourth or fifth episode, that this wasn't really Andor show, this is Mon Mothma show. And that's where the attention was focused. Um, I think that really kind of solidified over the, the last couple of episodes, especially with last time we spoke, I kept saying I was so interested in what's going on with the daughter, right? Like something was happening with Lita. She was in some way, shape or form, whether she wanted to or not, going to become a major player. And sure enough, she indirectly became what will be a major player, not just for this story, but for the entire rebellion. So for me, it's it's totally justifying everything that I already thought and said, that this was Mothma's show, and this show is really more about what's happening on Coruscant than what's happening in the rest of the galaxy. My only hesitation is I spoke to my dad on Thanksgiving, and he actually kind of brought to light, like I've, I've mentioned before, you know, my family not super into Star Wars or anything, but they watch these shows, they like it. My dad had no fucking idea who Mon Mothma was. And as soon as I said, like, remember and Return of the Jedi, this scene, what she did, it kind of clicked for him. But after watching all 12 episodes, he did not piece together that it was the same person or why she was important. He thought she was like a new character and i'm wondering how oh, i'm wow. wondering how many other like casual fans thought the same thing
0: i think that i think that's probably correct um you know i always use my my worker bees as the people like my my other employees as like kind of a reference to how the normal fan base is kind of feeling so i'll kind of poke around the problem with andor is again like some of the stuff that we're seeing about andor is that You know, people who have watched it are saying this is the best uh, Star Wars show or one of the best written Disney products to ever come out, which I would agree with. The problem is I don't really have that like guinea pig testing because those people haven't jumped on board yet. It's kind of been one of those shows where it's like, yeah, I'm going to get around to it Uh, eventually. I just I don't I don't really know what it's about. I don't really understand what it you know, it really would be helpful Like, even going into the next season, possibly even calling it Andor the Rise of the Rebellion. Because, like, people don't understand what this show is, which kind of stops it from possibly getting that viewership. So I don't really have guinea pig testing on Mon Mothma, but I would agree with that. Because she wasn't mentioned in any of the prequels, really. So and she has a very brief part in Return of the yeah. Jedi. So that makes a lot of sense as to why I mean, but it Gorn also really leaves so much thing more room going
1: in because I, I to be honest always truly forget that she's not in the prequels because to me I think so holistically and I just remember so vividly the deleted scenes with her. But unless you're really into right. it, and unless you really already know <laughs> these these characters and their backstories, you're probably not the person who goes in watches deleted scenes and says, "Yeah, this is still canon."
0: Right, um, and that's the thing about her character is while they don't know a whole lot about her, um, it leaves so much room to learn more. And there's plenty of room in in really even the main like all of the canon I I want to say this
1: about her though like eventually yeah we have to talk about you know Lear and and Andor and and all of them I was just floored by the dark almost backstabbing turn and not so much in the arranged marriage part I think we all saw that coming and we all accepted that was going to happen I was shocked by how quickly she used and is throwing her husband under the bus that that turn, I thought, was, I want to say uncharacteristic, but fact of the matter is, if you think about canon and what we know about Mothma's character, we don't have a lot to go on, right? We have Aftermath Trilogy, we have Bloodline, but all of that is, is you know, 20 years later almost, if not 40 all of a sudden we can't yeah. really sit here and say, oh, that's so uncharacteristic of her because we don't really know her. We, we're we finding out, yeah, this is who she is. So for her to be able to se- essentially sell her daughter and throw the husband under the bus for this game, like that's a really big shift in who we all thought Mon Mothma was going into this. So do you think it is here's the stakes of setting up the rebellion and here's what we all have to do as solidified by the incredible speech in, in episode 11. Or do you think on just isn't the, you know, more pinnacle of morality that we all held her up today?
0: I think that she, I think she's choosing the rebellion over her family yeah. at all costs because her losing her family in her eyes. I mean, it's like, um, what Luthen said, you know, I mean, they're all making tough choices. And when you start this series, it does seem like she, while her and her husband are definitely not on the same page in any, any way, shape or form, it seems like she does care about her daughter and she wants to like make that work too. And that ground was slipping. So I think for her, with the um, influence of Luthien, that he that she had to make a choice, and she chose the lives of the many versus her family life to make this rebellion work. I think she chose, she saw a gap that would make sense for her to place the blame on him. He doesn't love her anyway. She needs to hide this money to further the rebellion, and I think she chose the job over over her family which happens with a lot of people it doesn't make her it it, i mean this show this show always was promised that this was going to show the dirty side of the rebellion not to make these characters evil not to make them more not to muddy the lines per se at least in my opinion but to show the cost of what it took to do this this wasn't just oh we all love each other we're great we're good people and we're gonna do everything we can to stop this empire uh, by the cleanest hands necessary. Sometimes you have to put your hand into the filth to get there. Um, And I think that's exactly what she had to make the choice. They all make these choices in the show. Every single one of them. If this show, this first season shows anything, It shows the sacrifice, like with other characters who are in romantic interest with each other. One clearly wants to be with the other one more. And the other one's like kind of like, let's focus on the job Uh, with enough. We'll we'll use the time we can afford to be together. But everything has to go to this job. We've we've seen sacrifice and that's what Andor struggles with in the entire first season is. Him wanting to do something to push back, but not being all in. And that is his whole MO this first season. And that's where we lead up to the end. So with Mon Mothma, I think it showed her putting some grit. And does it change this sparkling leader that we might see in in, uh, Rebels, where whenever Mon Mothma shows up, she's very polished and she's collected and she seems like a... Um, no clean, no dirty hands. Leader. One thing we've noticed is we never see her family, and why is that? We've never questioned it until the show. We've never heard
1: of it. We just
0: always, yeah, we never heard of it. Questioned it. Everything
1: we know from her, we kind of know from Leia. You know, there's there's this element of screenwriting where there's the different ways to actually get to know a character, and one is by what they say and do, and the other is by how. one of the other three is by how people treat them when they're in front of them and the third this is the beauty of any kind of cinema or (laughs) any kind of book is what do the people say about them when they aren't there and we get to see it and for as much as we found out about mon mama from the third way we never once heard anything about a family or or anything like that so up until 12 weeks ago we never had any idea that this was all going on. Let it, and, th- and now we're even bringing in not so much just from, you know, a, a husband, arranged marriage and daughter, but even a cousin who she has genuine affection for. You know, I think her relationship with Vel Belle and Vel's relationship with Lita is really interesting to me. And one thing I'm, I'm so curious to see how it's going to play out in season two is Lita is interested in quote unquote, the old ways, right? And she's interested right. in all these Chandrillan customs that Mon Mothma and Vel both seem to absolutely abhor. So is, and hear me out, is the fact that Mothma ended up agreeing to the arranged marriage a bad thing, or did we have the scapegoat of this is what the daughter wanted anyway? And what I want to see is, no matter what, what, which one of those two we think, Come season two, are we going to come back around to this and see it bite anyone in the ass in any way where Layla Bear is, you know, this doting young wife to her young husband and she's going against Mon Mothma's wishes? Or is she going to then maybe absolutely hate her mother for putting her in this situation?
0: That's a really good question because... I would like to even I would like to say the later because I I mean, I don't know who knows. I mean, she is definitely using her daughter's naivety as the scapegoat for all of yeah. this. I mean, she's kind of, it's a convenient
1: but it, it's way also to back noticed, out. And, and the only reason I think this isn't the case is because Tony Gilroy has been so, you know, brave and going against the mold for all of this is I think if it was any other writer, we would see this as, oh, they took the easy way out because now we don't have to hate the hero of the rebellion because it's what her daughter wanted anyway. It's not that bad of a thing. But yeah, like you said, we, we knew that this show was meant to show the dark side of the good guys. And to do that, I think we need Mothma to kind of fuck up and, and sell out her family.
0: Yeah, I, I would definitely go with that Um, because Tony Gilroy doesn't seem like the type of writer that that would just come up with a convenient out. There's going to be some form of a ramification for all choices. There's going to be some form of sacrifice. Again, the show talks about sacrificing and committing. How far are you going to commit? And so I think we will see... I mean, whether it's she loves her marriage and she loves all this and she doesn't really see her daughter anymore and she feels guilty about, you know, just kind of shoving her aside. We'll see about that. She could absolutely hate the arranged marriage thing. But what definitely is going to happen is Mon Mothma is going to have to deal with the ramifications of all of her choices and press forward and... I think it's a I think it's a beautiful rich writing point that that makes these characters stand out. I'm I I want to see the sacrifice. I want to see what the stakes are, what they're doing. Um how far do they have to go to be this way? I think and will. I want to point out that yes, from Leia's point, point of view, yes, I think it's great that we have Leia's point of view to build her up as this leader. Because it does show the best side of Mon Mothma, but what's important to understand, if you know all this, is Leia was already in the fight with her. Yeah. So them being on the same terms, it makes sense why she sees her in that light as this brave hero, Um, and it's a point. It's it's an important contrast between the two, and and you know. Um, one of the things that has been said a hundred times over is you're the hero of your own story, but you're also the villain in somebody else's. Mm -hmm. And that's true. I mean, they're like across the board for most people, there is somebody out there who simply does not like you, whether you felt like you did not do whether you felt like you did right by them and they still felt like you did wrong by them. You're still their villain you're still not the good guy in their eyes. And so I think that's important in these stories to tell that, that, that truth. Um, Because it's just, it's not, it, 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 Star Wars very much has to be somewhat in a, in a fairy tale, but I think that kind of belongs to the, the trilogy side of things. These, these movie sides of things can, can don't have the time to tell those type of stories and I think this is the type of story that we need to see, um, because we haven't gotten it before, and we're always asking for new things in Star Wars. And this is something that's simply um, very fresh take on on a lot of things. And and I think that's why Andor as a whole is so captivating. It's not necessarily just trying to be uh, dark to be dark. It's not oh, yeah. being gritty. It's writing itself in a in a pattern that is just showing these other sides. And I, I, I mean, if, I simply, if there I, is I, I one person
1: it. in all of star Wars over there at Disney and all of Lucasfilm, most likely to have a mug sitting on their desk saying facts don't care about your feelings. It's Tony Gilroy.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's why he was 100% necessary yeah. to tell this story. Um, and it's why I've said from the beginning of the show that uh, th- there's a lot of pushback, and I'm going to sound like a hypocrite later when we talk about Kathleen Kennedy, um, but in in fandom, it's, it's like I said, you don't have to be a diehard fan. Uh, you just have to tell a good story and have to have a good take, and Tony Gilroy had a wonderful take on this universe. He's not a Star Wars fan. He's openly said it. We've known about it for years, but What happened was he got into this movie, did the reshoots, did the rewriting, and not being a fan, had an attachment to these characters and got some form of inspiration in this world and, you know, decided to tell a story that maybe a hardcore fan wouldn't. I know I wouldn't tell this story. I would be telling the Old Republic story if I knew how to write and I knew how to tell and they said, hey, we're going to give you a Star Wars series or a Star Wars movie, what do you want? It's Old Republic 100%. I wouldn't be telling these stories. And that's why, even though I think Andor is the the, the best written Star Wars show, I'm highly looking forward to Mandalorian after the show because it's going to be such a good palate cleanser because the Mandalorian leans more into that that fan like what the fan wants what it you know what we're looking for it has an epicness to it and andor is a little bit more of a a deep cut and i like them both you know i you know i just i prefer to have all these different stories um so i think that it it was a it's a beautiful take on this this franchise and i think it's what we need and it it but it might still not be the show for everyone because it doesn't have that epic scale. And, you know, even with the season finale, this might sound kind of bad, but up until the back half of the episode, I was like, come on, let's get somewhere. This is the finale. Let's go. Let's blow some shit up. Let's shoot some shit. Let's go. Um, You know, but by the end of it, I was like, you know, that told the, by the end of this um, series finale, our season finale, sorry. Um, I was like, no, that taught me a damn message that showed the damn message and that showed the spark, the spark of the common folks, not the Leas, who had these big political connections, not even Mon Mothma's choice, even though that had a lot of weight to it. It also showed the spark of the average day person and how they seen this world and what made them maybe join up which yeah is a big and I think story. that
1: was a big thing over on Ferrex because there was a level of complacency before there which was what you know marva's whole speech was about was was giving up that kind of pl- complacency but you you need that right and i like that it kind of came from within and at this peaceful moment as opposed to the ever so traditional oh here's the empire and here's this mean thing that they did now people are pissed off but no it was people just sitting there being like hey look we've been kind of the frog in boiling water this whole time and look at where it's gotten us and then realizing that they had to to take some kind of action so I i thought the way that was executed
0: was just really
1: really unique in star wars or in any other cinematic universe
0: right and i i would tend to agree um so, what do you think about this whole? Um, and I, I don't really. I've had a couple casual fans kind of ask me about it. Is there any way you think Luther is a Jedi or a Force I user? Don't.
1: And here's here's why I'm hesitant to say it. So Mark was the one who floated that by me and you a few weeks ago, and that was the first I had heard of it. And. I had texted him on the side, and I was like, dude, I haven't heard this theory at all. What, what's going on? Like, why do people think this? And he told me that it really had mostly to do with, at the time it was a spoiler, uh, but now it is not, was with the kyber crystals. And knowing that in the next week, we were going to see Luke and Ship actually start to use kyber crystals. I don't think that's nearly enough to go on, especially given the fact that his entire cover story and business relies on him getting all these artifacts. Him having cover crystals, really, truly, to me, not that big of a deal. Uh, The only reason I, I don't necessarily know which way I lean on this is because I don't think we have enough to go on in either direction.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess, I guess it's one of those things where when when it comes to Andor, I'm just waiting to see. I'm just waiting to see what happens. Like I'm not, I'm not even trying to theorize that. It, it seems I I've just been caught too many times pulling that bullshit, so I'm just not going to until I see it. Um, he might just, you know, this is a guy that does a lot of research. Mm-hmm. He does a lot of digging. He knows a lot of things. Who knows? He might even know. Uh, some of the imperial studies that they're doing, you know, he might have some kind of inside that showed him the specs and the research of the kyber crystals. Hell, who knows? Even uh, maybe Galen's uh, slowly leaking <laughs> stuff about the kyber. I mean, I have no idea um, what what is being transcribed. I, I know that we'll probably get an answer to it because it is a big reveal. But a Jedi. Um, not necessarily, um, because, I don't know, I mean, I guess you could argue that he sensed that maybe Andor, when he shows up at the end, he's like, either kill me or let me join, he might have sensed that there was sincerity there, there could be that, that could be why he's so good with people, because he can sense them, and, and maybe kind he can of like pull manipulate and push. A little bit. maybe. Uh, yeah, Maybe it's,
1: it's just... Two out there with absolutely nothing to back it up in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I guess more more along the lines for me is you know, we'll wait and see. Yeah. We'll yeah, see I, I
1: wouldn't discount it either way. Like the people who kind of believe that or want to believe that, fine, you do you. It's just not something I'm necessarily brought into at all.
0: Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree with that. Um, so my thoughts on well is there any other deep cut questions that you have about andor i don't
1: think so Over, it's, it's no me neither just so good <laughs> i hope it takes yeah. off a little bit more than it has
0: yeah and and y- you said you hope it takes off a little bit more than it has and i i agree i i do think at some times i i really love the prison episodes I loved I my heart was broken when Andy Circus character oh my done God. all that to get free. Oh that was and brutal. he said I can't swim. You know, part of me was like, why didn't some why didn't he at least like jump and try? Like try. I mean anything would have been better. Who knows? I mean, maybe he still got out. I don't know. Um But the show has some of the best writing that I've seen. I love how every single character, there's a reason for them being. I love how there is uh, not characters, they're characters. They don't have like your, your um, what is it? Your easy scale Star Wars, like the big shooter mm-hmm. or the um, fast talking smuggler guy. Like it is completely on its own and these characters stand on their own. And I can't wait to see what's next, but it's like, you know, we could go on and on for an entire episode about how good the show is, but it's just that's simply it. That's all I have to offer. There isn't no, there's no Snoke theories or no, um, things to. No, um, it just is what it predict. is. Predict. It is mm. what it is, and it it's uh it's an amazing show, and um I hope more people jump on and and watch it on the off season. I know this weekend it's playing on all it's of on the
1: Hulu and ABC and all that, yeah.
0: And FX, so hopefully <laughs> so get some get some numbers. Mm. And season two is like beginning shooting, so yeah, they're let's, rolling uh, right I, into I think it. We
1: got to uh, you time it's probably time we we take a little chat about this and what's okay. filming, what's not filming, and and everything going on over at the the good old offices of Disney. Did you just do
0: the transition? I did. Wow. I did. Are you good proud? for you? Yes, that was great. Okay, so. By this time of recording, this this news will be a week old, but uh, it's, it's fair to jump on board. Bob Chapek, the CEO of Disney, was immediately removed and blindsided, um, and Bob Iger, the former CEO of Disney and the former chairman of the board, is now solely the CEO, not like he was before where he was also the ceo and the chairman of the board now he's just the ceo but there was an emergency board we- meeting that ejected bob chapek now for some of you guys that don't uh really know the the pol- the politics and the state of disney i could go on and on about bob chapek there's been i haven't been a fan of bob chapek since disney started whether it be like the way the parks are kind of ran even though that's where he started out with before he did, uh, there's a lot of structural stuff that changed. Uh, Bob Iger was very much about letting the creatives be the main head of the ship for Disney. And when Bob Jake Peck came in, he came in and he started some uh, different manager offices for people that were in the banking industry. A lot of the bankers and businessmen started getting uh, positions where these creatives used to live in. And he opened up a lot more bureaucracy for the company itself. And so just to, like, kind of shine a light about it, there's not only been a lot of drama with, like, actresses, the way they, like, kind of blindsided Scarlett Johansson and tried to, like, shame her for wanting the money that was owed with her for Black Widow. That's kind of when stuff started happening. But we learned um, that upon his jumping in, which, let's be fair, he started being CEO right when COVID hit. So this is like the hardest time to take over one of the biggest jobs on planet Earth. So shout out, like, respect. He did have a lot to, like, recover in just becoming the CEO with the legacy of Bob Iger. But we started hearing a lot of things like the creatives, including, like, Kevin Feige, no longer of Marvel, head of Marvel, no longer had the power that he once had to... Um, to kind of operate his business. So we can assume that Kathleen Kennedy had that same kind of bureaucracy go on in her camp and that leads to more approval. So like to give Kathleen Kennedy a little bit of a shout out, I mean, like, who knows, maybe these movies were uh, pitched and uh, certain ones were approved and maybe the board has been part of the, or maybe Bob Chapek and his people have been part of the reason why we haven't had Star Wars movies slow down regardless He was ousted at an emergency board meeting and Bob Iger placed like to the point where he had no idea he was. uh, So Disney plus had a live event for Elton John. All the board was there. It was streaming live on Disney plus and he was going to announce Elton John on the stage. So he was physically there and he found out while being physically there that he was no longer CEO of Disney while the board and Bob Iger were physically there, and uh, you know the room around the or the rumors going around is that the board was really happy with it. So, in relation to Star Wars, we, really
1: happy with what? When you say it,
0: really happy, really happy with Bob with Bob, Bob Iger yeah. stepping in, yeah, and Bob Chapek stepping out. Um Part of this, you know, could have been we we don't know. We'll hear more details later. The details that I know are that he was completely blindsided by the entire ousting and that according to uh, sources, the, the room, the, the, the people that were excited was the board themselves at Elton John. They were excited that Bob Iger was stepping in and everybody seemed to be at ease um, knowing this. Now, jump back two weeks ago, Bob, I- Disney stock fell they they lost uh, like I think around like four billion dollars um, with their stock going down, and Bob Chapek kind of came out on I think it was MSNBC, and he said you know we're gonna cut back on some things we're gonna cut back on some of the productions that we're doing i.e. the content which is i.e. what Disney is fucking known for we're gonna cut back on like our CEOs traveling to corporate meetings and shit like that. And I think if, if I were to take a guess, I think the whole cutting back on content was a huge blow because this guy is very much a business guy. He was a part of the parks, which is business. Yeah. He has no idea about creatives. So when it comes to Star Wars, people would say, well, Bob Iger appointed Kathleen Kennedy under the request of George Lucas. Does this mean that Kathleen Kennedy is safe for a while so
1: here's the here's the other kind of one thing that i didn't want to bring up i was hoping you would but the then same day that chapik left kareem daniel the company's head of media and entertainment and right hand now departed ceo Bob chapik, also left so that's within 24 hours they get rid of not only chapik but to your point when he was saying you know cut back on this this and this they, they leave the, or they part ways with the media and entertainment head. Things to keep in mind is you, you and I, yeah, we're focused on Star Wars. We're focused on Lucasfilm. There's so much else that goes into this, right? Like people have been so upset lately with Pixar. Marvel is, you know, they were, they were the king of kings for so long. But I think we all started to see the quality really, really decrease there um and things just become a little monotonous I think Star Wars is kind of the the staple if anything where they're saying you know what we've got Favreau here we've got Filoni this is probably the safest space the other thing and and this is where I'm hoping now you'll see what I was saying and you'll agree with me is we were talking a few weeks ago about Kathleen Kennedy, you know, not announcing movies anymore, not announcing TV shows, blah, 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 blah. And I said, this isn't a Kathleen Kennedy issue. This is a marketing issue. Kathleen Kennedy's role should be, here's the people I'm going to hire. Here are the projects I'm going to greenlight. And then I'm going to step back and trust my creatives. We have absolutely no reason to ever believe that was, was not the case. The issue was and why people didn't like her is because she, inna- quote, she announced too many things, quote-unquote, that ended up not...
0: Which Bob Ch- which Bob Chapek was famous for, you know, news breaking out that he told her personally to stop doing that.
1: But I still don't think it was a her thing. I think it was a marketing thing. And now I think it, it went along with entertainment and media. I think with Igor, we're going to get back to let's keep things close to the vest. I'm going to trust the people running their ships to do so accordingly. And I'm not going to worry about announcing things in in the biggest, brightest way.
0: So can you, uh, again, we've talked about it, but can you elaborate on your, why it's a marketing failure?
1: Because the way in which she, she announces things, they traditionally happen one or two ways. They happen at the stockholder meeting, and those are when she announces things like Andor, Acolyte, Book of Boba Fett. Those are the ones that come to fruition. That's her. That is her saying, this is what I feel comfortable reporting to stockholders, and because it is Disney, it is now changing the entire shape of Essentially any major stock movement on, on the Dow Jones, right? So anything NASDAQ related, this is having a really, really heavy hand and that has to be accurate. When she's going to D twenty three and when she's going to all these other conferences and that's when she's announcing, here's you know, here's D we're gonna give them their own stuff, or when she's going to Twitter, that's not her saying this is what I want to share. That's all that all has to go through this Really, really rigorous vetting process. So that's someone else saying, hey, look, here's what we want you to announce. Here's the way in which we want you to announce it. And here's the exact day and time. Here's everything you can and can't say about this. That all gets vetted. That's not just her standing up, giving a PowerPoint that she designed, saying, here's what I want people to know.
0: Yeah, and I think with... With that, where I go and push down is, okay, so I get your point on that one. I understand that some of those, well, and and I I understand that some of the stuff that's leaking out are the trades. She's not announcing this stuff. So yes, I would agree with that. But according to John Campia, which never really, he's not a scoop guy. He doesn't talk about scoops. He's a guy that I listen to a lot and he never does scoops. He he doesn't talk about it. But upon hearing that and getting questions from people like does this mean Kathleen Kennedy is safe? He kind of filled around with his sources, which according to him, again, this is according to him, this is one of the biggest film pundits in YouTube. Um he's, you know, he doesn't claim to do scoops, he but he felt confident enough to talk about it on his show. Um, based on everything that he knows with people who have had really good track records for him um, that after asking the question, is Kathleen Kennedy safe? Two sources mentioned that Disney doesn't know what they're doing with Kathleen or when they're announcing this, but Kathleen Kennedy will be stepping down from Lucasfilm. They don't know if they'll announce this before Indiana Jones, or wait until after that movie has made its box office to announce that. So they don't know if they want to announce it before and like let it fizzle out by the time that movie comes out, or wait till that movie's done and announce it then. That's one of the biggest topics going on right now. Is that she is reported to step down after Indiana Jones? Who
1: promoted her? Because I think Iger put her in place. No.
0: Iger put her in place, but it was upon George Lucas's wishes. Mm-hmm. That was a part of that deal. Hmm. Yeah, so it still was an Iger call yeah. to make, which it would make sense because she is one of the greatest producers of all time. Um, you know, but it, it leaves another announcement. I mean, we we could be losing Kathleen Kennedy to... To yeah. Star Wars, I mean, I what, just, what do you think about that? I, I mean, think, like, how do you feel about that? We we all know how I feel. How do you feel about her? If that if if this is true, do you think it's time? Do you think this that, is not um, a remark
1: on her because you know I am a fan of hers and what she's done so far. But fact of the matter is, she's now been in this seat for let's see, it's two thousand twenty two. She's been in the seat for what eight nine years now. Like. That's a really long time for someone in her position to really have held on to that title, especially with all the changes going on. I wouldn't be surprised or necessarily think it's the worst thing in the world if this was the case with, here's here's my big with and, and my big but, depending on who takes over for her. That is, you know, this might be the ultimate devil you know scenario. The other thing to keep in mind, like I said, People are less pissed with Star Wars and with Lucasfilm than they are other things. I think there's going to be a major upheaval with, you know, Disney motion pictures, with Pixar, with maybe even with Marvel. I I don't think Kathleen Kennedy and Star Wars is really high up on the chopping block, even though it's what's important to you and I.
0: I 100% think it is. I think it's the most talked about topic in that boardroom. And the reason is... Where the fuck are the movies? And I I know that I know that they said we're going to take some time after the original trilogy but we haven't had motion on anything going for Disney. It's like for for Disney that's their one of their biggest cash cows and yeah, it's great that no, no, Marvel's no, over because, here turning out because numbers. Because
1: here's the difference. This is why Disney bought Star Wars in the first place. Because the, it was for the toys. It was for the merchandise. They knew and they very very transparently kept saying that the revenue here was with hasbro was with video games was with you know lunch boxes and backpacks they were always less worried about putting new content out there and more worried about making sure little kids like this that's why they went so heavy-handed i think with yeah for us it's great storytelling but fact of the matter is look at clone wars Look at Rebels. We got lucky that it was baloney and it was great storytelling with it. But now think about their other major endeavors that they, they did right away. Obviously, they gave us the, the sequel trilogy. What else did they do? Resistance. Like, Resistance was never meant to be this great, incredible story. This was a way to get little kids who are going to put things on their Christmas list that's what they're interested in. And she did that. And she did that pretty well. They're more worried in the marketing. Whereas it's the Pixar and the Marvel that they're starting to lose content. I think they'll start losing merchandise. And they're also losing space in the parks. You know, And that was always Ch- Chavik's big thing was the parks. To, obviously, his, <laughs> to his demise, um, but this is, this is why I don't think Kathleen Kennedy is going to be high up on the list of people to replace. Do I think it'll happen eventually? Sure. Do I think it'll be a bad thing? Maybe, maybe not. I just don't think that Lucasfilm is quite as big a topic and big of a worry and a red flag as you think
0: and see i am gonna i'm gonna die on this cross because and and i'll kind of i'll kind of double down a little bit because i love it when mom and dad (laughs) fight um so um so uh you know the it's it is the to, to me it is the biggest topic because while everybody's saying fandom wise that phase four is you know some of the the you know the most hit or miss marvel it still has turned out cash it still turns out gold black adam comes out with the biggest actor and it still can't make a profit um and black panther comes out without its leading man without its leading character introduces a new leading person and a new character i won't spoil black panther of who becomes black panther um and it turns a profit market or marvel is profitable but Lucasfilm, they are profitable. Don't get me wrong, and I see what you're saying. But guess what buys? Guess guess who's buying more merch when new movies come out, when new characters come out, when there's new shit to buy? There's not new shit to buy. And while The Mandalorian had a great merchandising uh, campaign, they've done awesome with the Baby Yoda stuff. They've done everything with like the way the Mandalorians look. That's all good and dandy. But the trilogies, the movies. Not only in box office as movie themselves, but the merchandising that comes with it makes tenfold more. And the thing is, we're going to take a break from Star Wars, is what they said after Rise of Skywalker. Refigure things. Well, yeah, absolutely. They should. They should have. And they have. But three fucking years is enough time. And at this point, we are way past that limit to where we don't even know what's going on. And we pay attention to this. We have no idea what's going on. And Disney's over here looking at their stock prices going down. And they're thinking, you know what would really fucking bump up? If we had a Star Wars movie to announce, if we had something to announce, I guarantee the stocks would go up. The stocks went up 9% the first day that Bob Iger jumped in. Now they've resettled a little bit but a new Star Wars trilogy that's going to bump the stock prices up for sure. We've had no freaking movement on anything here and I'm not like out here to like shame Kathleen Kennedy. I'm just saying I don't think I don't think Lucasfilm knows what they're going to do. Now, let's counterbalance that. According to Jeff Snyder, who's a huge film pundit and releases scoops, that's his thing. He's worked with Variety, the Hollywood Reporter, Collider, all of them. He has said uh, there's a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline on the, on the feature side of Lucasfilm to be excited about. Um, as we know, Lucasfilm has made a strong pivot to the TV side of things in order to beef up Disney+, and those plans aren't going anywhere, with several new Star Wars series and seasons deep into yada yada, But it appears the studio, there's a strong desire for a theatrical release. Whether this updated slate of Star Wars projects... Um, Hold on. Remember that Patty Jenkins was supposed to... Okay. As whether this updated slate of Star Wars projects for the next five years or so includes yearly theatrical releases once things are back up on the feature side, we could be looking at a 2024 earliest. So that's good and dandy, but we've had no moving news about it. We've had no moving news about movies, and that's what they're looking for. They're looking for somebody that can burn. Kevin Feige, while spread thin has created a money monopoly on something that wasn't uh, wasn't Teflon with Marvel. He created that his world, and they're turning out billions a year. And meanwhile, Star Wars has nothing, not a single thing. That's money out the window. That's merchandising out the window. And they just don't put – whether or not you love Kenobi. Like, Kenobi is mixed bag on how people feel about it. Did awesome in um, – in viewership and probably did pretty decent on merchandising the mandalorians teflon it's phenomenal it's got merchandising but there's no way there's no way to argue that new movies are going to create way more money and way more merchandising to create more profitability and we just haven't had anything we haven't had any movement nothing's in production There's nothing going on. And who knows? It could be a Bob Chapek thing. But what we know about Kathleen Kennedy is like all her plans of new Star Wars content completely has fallen through with the theatrical side. And I'm not saying like let's let's oust her. But I'm saying like at the very least she keeps her job and wants to keep going, which I don't know why she would at this point. I I thought she would want to leave after Rise of Skywalker because it was a high end. I mean, it was a profitable movie. It was a high end. Star Wars was moving into a new chapter. I thought that was then. But there has to be some movement, regardless of if she leaves or not, which I'm putting it down on here right now. I believe this. I believe that she's going to step down. And I think they're going to, if I know Disney, I think they're going to wait until Indiana Jones is done so that she can set sail, because right now from a from a um, boardroom stock price thing, it's just one other notch that's saying Disney fired Kathleen Kennedy. That's going to put the sta- stocks down. That's, that's going to show instability, so they're not going to do that because it's going to show instability. They're probably, I, if I were to guess, she's going to be announced that she's out after Indiana Jones is done at the box office after a high win.
1: Bold of you, I think, to assume that the new Indiana Jones is going to be a high win, first and foremost.
0: I mean, they got a phenomenal director that hasn't failed me yet. I mean, he has not failed me. We don't need this.
1: I don't know of anyone who's excited We don't need it, but guess
0: what? Look, look, look. A lot of people are fucking excited about Harrison Ford returning as Indiana Jones. Let me pull up the box office of even the... One that nobody talks about is the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. I don't
1: mind that movie. It is what it is. is. It Kingdom
0: yeah. of the Crystal. We're doing this live, people. Skull. Box office. I'm a slow typer. Wow. Boom. Okay, so even in like when, when did this movie come out? Uh, two thousand nine? Mid yeah, mid two thousands. Um It did $790 million. 2008, $790 million. This movie's going to be big because they're also going to promote it as Harrison Ford's last Indiana Jones film, which I I think it should be. People pull out for Indiana Jones. People show up. Indiana Jones is Teflon. It's going to be a huge win.
1: Uh, It's going to make some money. I think it'll be fine. I don't think it's going to be a huge win.
0: I think it's going to be, um, just simply getting you know Harrison back on the mantle is is uh, huge in itself, and I, I think it's going to pull some numbers. This is this episode is something that we can pull back and say, you know, see let's see where everybody else sat, let's figure it out. And yeah, well, I think
1: we also see need to see who's right for them. What we're going to define as a huge one, like I would define "Far from Home" as a huge one because it emotionally packed a punch. It had big names come back for it and it crushed the box office. I think unless Indiana predict- Jones 5 does all those things, it's not a huge win.
0: I think Indiana can make $800 million in the box office at least. If I were to guess, it's going to make the high nines worldwide.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And, and that's all stupid speculation. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to get reviewed good. And I think it's going to make some money. And I think that's a perfect time to walk out, even if it's uh, relatively profitable. That's going to be a big enough win for them to change the Lucasfilm side. So,
1: Far of From Home was one point one three two billion box office.
0: You, yeah, you which is Kevin Feige think, yeah, out but there? But still show, still but no, that's that not ID, Kevin Feige. That's Sony. ID Five
1: is going to be nine hundred mil, even if Far From Home was only one point one billion.
0: Yes, because Harrison Ford is Teflon, and I, I know that the the Hollywood industry we no longer rely on actors as being the star. I mean, you can argue Dwayne Johnson being Black Adam, the biggest movie star in the world right now, couldn't make that one profitable. But Indiana Jones is a, is a it's a high caliber fran- franchise that people have always loved. Uh, it's going to pull out an older crowd while still getting a younger crowd in it. It's going to have a multiple caliber. Um, audience. So it's going to have a three, I think they yeah, they call it three quadrant audience. Kids can go, uh, you know, teens will go and the older people who love that original trilogy, which to some of them, that's their favorite trilogy of all time. It's going to pull that three quadrants. And especially with the marketing that it's going to be the final one, they get that little final one, um, you know, marketing push. So I picked, I picked
1: far from home for a reason. No way home. I don't think was fair comparison. That was one point nine billion. End game two point seven nine eight billion, and you're still going to count nine hundred million as a huge win. Yes, All right, so nine hundred million. million, what would the what would the Rotten Tomatoes have to be on it?
0: I don't think I don't think the Rotten Tomatoes matters. I think box office matters.
1: No, I think I, I mean think it, when it, it comes just doesn't. To someone keeping their job and, and the longevity. I won't say necessarily like you know, Rotten Tomatoes' score matters, but people's perception of it matter. Because yeah, you can't and, just and do not... a whole bunch opening weekend and then people fucking hate the movie and still count it as a huge win.
0: Okay, so look, I am. This is not a deep cut. I love you, and I love your love for <laughs> Rise of, for, for Rise of Skywalker. So I'm gonna pull that up. Rise of Skywalker box office there we go thank you guys um you know you like rise of skywalker a lot arguably to a lot of people who i i mean who i've talked to the overall fan base it's not a loved movie it's not loved and to some it's it's their least favorite of the star wars movies and that still pulled money. That still point, about, pulled if one point seven. And it should have
1: been higher because if you remember, yes, it came out here in December. Global releases were staggered, plus they couldn't get anything from Asia because by the time it was released here, COVID had already hit across seas.
0: And that has a fifty-two percent Rotten Tomatoes with a 86%. Yeah, but that's why for as much as I love score. it,
1: I wouldn't consider Rise of Skywalker a huge win. For those reasons, it was it a huge win for me. It made personally? money. That that yeah. was it. Was it a huge win? No, because what did it also launch? It's now the catalyst for Kathleen Kennedy should lose her job.
0: So no, it's not a huge but, win. But that,
1: as much as I love it, but
0: but but that trilogy, that trilogy made billions, in combined with everything, it made billions, and it made the first movie made Disney the money it cost to buy Lucasfilm. So absolutely, she did her job. And around that time, it wasn't just the Rise of Skywalker that that was kind of like not making everybody happy. We also had the Mandalorian that was a big hit that she produced. So not only did she have the money of Rise of Skywalker, look, a billion dollars across the board, no matter what it is, there's expectations for a lot of things. A billion dollar movie is a fucking huge success. A eight hundred dollar a hey eight hundred million dollar movie is a huge success. A seven, a six, that's a win. That's a win. We're used to these big blockbusters that like people are saying, "Oh, it didn't make a billion, so it fucking it, it didn't do shit." But really, like. These movies if they're a 150 million dollar budget and they made 400 million like Solo would have been profitable and been reset had they not have to reshoot and rewrite and get a new director for the entire film which ballooned that up to 400 million. Yeah. That that balloon plus the marketing is what made Solo the first Disney flop or the first Star Wars flop. But if it had remained on budget, it would have been a huge success well, at 400 I'll, I'll million. Agree with you Which the marketing, I'll give it to you. Bob Iger admitted that Solo was his fault because he wanted it right before Endgame, right after Last Jedi. I so the marketing point, I'll give you that. That wasn't was his great, call, or that was wasn't Kathleen's call, pop,
1: but for a different reason. I think when when the time comes, whether it's next week or ten years from now, when Kathleen Kennedy has to step down, and we're reviewing, you know, the highs and lows of her, her tenure, I don't think we are going to look at it and say, "Here are the titles that came out, and here's how much was made." It's going to be because this is her job. Her job is not to make this shit. It's going to be who did she hire? What did she do? She hired Favro. She promoted Filoni. You know, she she was smart enough to greenlight the entire High Republic and say, "Here are the authors we're gonna make. Like she's more than just "Here are the movies being made and here's how much they're making." She puts the right people in the right jobs. That's the important. But part. she
0: also, but she also hired D and D and. That's that's and why Game of Thrones my, went my down.
1: Solo, that was the first flop because of shit like that.
0: So, and and you said that, but that shit has been staying. She is because that shit has been staying, and that's why she can't get a director. It's why you haven't heard shit about Taika after Thor Love and Thunder. It's why after the Game of Thrones season finale, that was a mixed bag. You stop hearing about D&D. It's why Lord Miller got cut out of uh, Solo, and they put Ron Howard in, the safe bet guy that can do the good old no. job. It's why, uh, you know, Colin no, Trevorrow um, I think Solo and the Colin Lord, of, came Lord and Miller
1: out. is where it all started, and that was the, the first big flop. But when you look at it, when she hires someone, it's usually the right right person for the right job. Internally, right? It's it's more of just the directors. It's everything else that goes into it. She's having them all in the... Doug Chan. Look at Doug Chan. He is... You can in no way, shape, or form tell me that he has ever been the wrong person to have in the room. She kept him. No. He, he was there in 99, and he's still there. Her, not coming, her coming in and now saying, look, I'm going to bring in all of my own people... No, she keeps the right people in the right jobs, and she puts the the new people in the right jobs. That's her position, and that's why I'm not so dead set that she's going to be be ousted anytime soon.
0: And I would agree, or I would disagree at the complete opposite because everybody else that has fallen through, she's had some huge wins for sure. Um, she's had some huge wins, but she doesn't have what what Feige's got, and Feige understands the universe he understands what he's playing in and to be fair it's like we had talked over text kathleen kennedy is one of the greatest producers of all time but she's a nuts and bolts producer she's a go out and get it producer star wars is the hardest thing that you have to play in because it is its own universe it has its own feel it has all these other pieces around it that you can differ- differentiate, but at the end of the day, it has to be connected. It has to flow. It has to have the same like f- feel of the universe while also standing on its own, but it has to connect, and it just didn't. It hasn't. It hasn't really stayed that way, and when you add all that announcements that got pulled and announcements that didn't happen in the reactionary, it just it simply... I don't think oh. it suits her. I think she's going to get a fat deal wherever she goes. Oh, when yeah. she leaves here, she's I going mean, she to get the biggest retire. like first up. That's the thing. Like, she's, they never she's the, retire.
1: The producer of e. Bob and Iger's 71
0: fucking years old. He's still in this game. Oh. He's like, uh, you know, Alan Horn, oh. who was at Disney. Or at Warner Brothers and then at Disney. He retired at Warner Brothers for like a couple years. Bob Iger got him back. Then he retired again. And now guess what? He's back at Warner Brothers working again. These motherfuckers never retire as long as there's money to gain. Listen. She ain't gonna she ain't gonna retire. You and know I think, I love I think you. after Star Wars You
1: know I respect your opinion, but I think this is the one thing where we will argue about over and over and the two of us. For as much as we adore each other, we are just way too stubborn to ever <laughs> give up any ground.
0: I agree. <laughs> so I will. I will say. With that being said, guys, how do you feel about this? You know, uh, we have a Facebook group for you guys to comment on this stuff. Uh, you know, and I post the shows on the Facebook group. If one of us rubs you the right way or wrong way, let's talk about. It. I want to know what you guys think because it is a you know it's a big contrast, and I'm definitely the guy that has been up on this hill um, pointing out the flaws of what's been going on. And I do want to preface that or I do want to say that she is the greatest producer of all time. Like I'm a huge fan of a lot of, of, of all, almost all, all of her work with the exclusion of a, a couple films or a couple little handlings. I think no matter what she do does in the future, if she works on movies, it's going to be great. I just personally think that star Wars is a hard cookie to cr- crumble. And when we're all looking at Kevin Feige and his success, we're all at least me, we're looking dreamy eyed and wanting that. And I, I just, I'm dying on that hill. That's fine. But I want to know what you guys think because you guys are the one listening to us and you're going to agree with one of us, um, over the other for sure. And I'd love to hear it because I generally don't know where I gauge. I just know where I stand. Um, so with that being said, um, Lindsay, final thoughts, do you have anything? You just, you good?
1: Oh, so many more thoughts, but. We'll leave it like I know you. we can go for another
0: two we'll hours we'll on this topic. We don't have to leave <laughs> it. Be. You can, you can have the final say because I always cut it off. If you want the final say, say it.
1: No, I think, uh, but you're right. We always love you guys. want to add, Check out the Facebook group, check out Patreon. Tell us why I'm right. Zach's wrong. Um if not, you guys can uh, keep your opinions to yourself. No, I'm kidding. We we want to to uh keep the debate debate going, so definitely head over there and um just make sure you tag us in any discussion thread.
0: Absolutely. Um so where can you find the clashing sabres? Well, you can find the clashing sabres under the Clashing Sabres um podcast network. You can check us out there. We're on um, all platforms that I know of, all the big ones, and I'm doing this terribly, but whatever. I don't care. Um, you can find me at Sith talker 25 talking all things really just home gym lately and barbecue. Haven't been posting much Star Wars, but I will be talking more about the High Republic with the given new release because I am super excited about that. Lindsay... Where can they find you? And tell us more about what we do here at Clashing Sabers. Yeah,
1: so what we do here at Clashing Sabers, if you ever want to check out clashingsabers.net, is aside from just being a podcasting network with all your favorite shows, we're also, first and foremost, a nonprofit organization. Our mission is to get books, preferably Star Wars books, in the hands of as many students and classrooms and school libraries around the country as we possibly can. Every single dollar that we raise through our Patreon or through any of our fundraisers goes directly to this mission. So we understand if you can preferably donate, um, that's always appreciated. If you can't, that's fine. Spread the word or head over to clashingsabers.net and just refer any teacher or school that you know of that might actually need some of these uh, books and supplies for their own uh, students.
0: Awesome. 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 And guys, please check out all of that below. Um, because we're trying to do the good thing here and, uh, we're not having to cut out our, uh, husbands and daughters to do yet. so. Um, with yet, with that being said, guys, uh, thank you for listening to another episode of Sith Talk and until next time, may the force be with you. Always. Okay, so next time <laughs> we should have a discussion possibly on who would be perfect
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Who's the future? I know Who's the future you, regardless? Because I know
1: I kind of started chatting about it and who we would like and not like. But that's my whole thing is if she's if she's out of someone good, it has to be in. And who is that person? So, yeah, I kind of like that
0: area i kind of um, wanted to argue with you more but i had more things to do <laughs> no
1: you got that brisket um that, i think though so, if we fun. have that discussion we also need to think of it from the realm of not just you know star wars but like would a patty jenkins be a good fit you know stuff stuff like that i think we need to expand it from oh, just I'm... you know dave john and pablo
0: oh for sure because um john's the only one yeah absolutely yeah. i i and I, i'll look that up too because i'm relatively familiar with execs and producers and yeah no I like like that idea though okay well you have a good rest of your day I'm going to stress about my brisket enjoy let me know how it goes see ya bye